The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash podshock for your free audiobook download. Live from a storm drain on the south side of Global Chemicals, this is Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. No, I... You know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? Outpost Gallifrey and the Gallifrey Embassy present Doctor Who Podshock episode 143. My name is Ken Deep. Alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello! And across the Atlantic Ocean, none other than the birthday boy himself, Mr. James Naughton. Hello! Yay! <laughs> Happy Thank birthday! You very much. Very kind. Very kind we of you. We'll be recording for... this on St. Patrick's Day, but yesterday yes. was was St. James Day, apparently. Am I safe? No, am I? Was uh, was Sexy James Day? That's not what I in hear. The UK. <laughs> <laughs> i'm a sinner that that's that's the truth that's the truth <laughs> so there's a lot going on we have a jam-packed show for you today a jam-packed doctor who pod shock jam jelly peanut butter we got it all yeah we have a ton of things to cover so let's get right into it let's go to the doctor who newsroom well i guess what we should mention is that the latest hitchhiker's guide to british sci-fi is out it's a different podcast that the three of us do that covers as the name applies everything that's british science fiction though we do tend to focus on stuff outside of doctor who since we have doctor who podshock that really you know tackles doctor who head-on so but in the last episode episode three of hitchhiker's guide we did talk a little bit about the rumor that has, um, I, I forget which paper had posted it, but uh, the rumor is implying that the TARDIS will see a makeover when Stephen Moffat and Matt Smith take over. So um, I figured we can just touch upon that here as well, that get our feelings on that. I know there was some, I don't know if we want to call it a debate, but a discussion in our other podcast concerning that. And uh, as I had said then, you know, we have seen the TARDIS made over before and hopefully we'll see it again that the show will last and we'll see various makeovers of the TARDIS interior. This article implied that Stephen Moffat want to, uh, that wants to separate himself and his error, you know, as the executive producer of the series um, from the past from Russell T Davies by redoing the, the interior a little bit. And, and I think James and I are both on the same plane with this as far as um, I think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, what I had mentioned previously was that my grief was with the uh, the TARDIS console itself, that the it, it seemed more, the controls seemed a little bit more ornamental than functional. So I'm looking for something that will imply more functionality. We'll see what happens. Mm. But yeah, the console 
from like the five doctors on when they when they redid the console for the twentieth anniversary. I, I thought that one looked very functional, the, the buttons and the yeah, devices. And that was really at that time they were really due for a makeover because they were still using the console from you know that Tom Baker had used throughout his um, era as the mm. Doctor, except for like, the 14th season when he was in the wooden, the yeah. secondary con- uh, console room. Console room. The yeah. Battle Bridge. Yes. So to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, uh, also, you know, in the shameless plug for the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi Department, uh, I also mentioned that the DVD of the Tripods. The complete series of the tripods, or as complete as Michael Grade allowed them to be, that is officially coming out. Finally, Region Two DVD, the complete series of the tripods. Probably by the time you receive this podcast, it'll be out on March twenty third, two thousand nine. The much anticipated and it was pushed back for wow, about a year now. They keep they kept setting dates. And moving it back and moving it back. Well, today is the 17th, right? Today is the 17th yeah, of 17th March. This is scheduled for the 23rd. Yeah. So yeah. they'd have to blow it in the next five days in order to not get this out. But that's it's, it's just weird. an update on, on non-Doctor Who stuff, being that we were talking about that. But as a big Tripods fan, and, and you know what? I just I just say Tripods news just to get Dave AC worked up because he loves when I talk about the Tripods. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> it's great that it's finally happening because I thought Armageddon would have been and gone before they got this thing out. It's <laughs> it, it's crazy. I mean, what what, what the, why did it take so long? I mean, I understand that they have rights issues and stuff, but they they were they were taking the piss a little bit with it. I thought. I mean, it's great that it's finally happening. I have to say. So. Well, the first right, series we... had been released on DVD. I have that set. It's a Region Zero, um, which meant you can play it anywhere. It was still PAL, but it was PAL, yeah. 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 So, um, what's did um, we, now, can we, did we mention recently about uh, going back to Doctor Who news? This this thing about um, the possibility for com- the companion for Matt Smith being Hannah Murray. Did we talk about that? I don't last think time? That, that, I don't again, think um, once this, this really is just a in the rumor mill, there's been no official announcement. It's just speculation, really. Well, there have, there have been several photos of them uh, uh, pictured together. And I don't know if it's because they've done previous work together already. Um, I mean, it's certainly it's an interesting choice because... Hannah Murray, she's been on a, a hugely successful teen drama here in the UK uh, called Skins. It's kind of a young adult drama, really, but essentially about a group of teenagers and their, their trials and tribulations. Um, and she's a terrific actress, I have to say. She's, she was brilliant in that, from what I saw of her anyway. So, I, I, again, it is the rumor mill, and the, the stories that I've seen have been mostly in, in uh, the tabloids. There's been, uh, most notably, in News of the World. So, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, they're, they're all saying, oh, the Beeb want to keep this ultra secret, you know. But <laughs> until the BBC come out and make a definite mm-hmm. announcement of this, well, I, I have heard arguments for and against it. I mean, as far as, as you said, they've been photographed together and uh, supposedly she's been in talks with the BBC and, you know, all this like undisclosed sources that have been published, uh, pub- you know, publicized in these articles. But the argument against it is that, to my understanding, is that she's still 
in school and she wouldn't be able to um to yeah the hours thing to meet yeah. the production requirement that's that's um that would be you know obviously required to shoot a full-time series like doctor who mm, mm. i also i don't know how old she is but if if she's if she's under 18 i don't know whether she is but if she's under 18 then physically she wouldn't be able to work longer than a certain number of hours a uh, a, a week um, for again for that reason for interfering with her schoolwork and so on and so forth. Now, it, it could be very likely that she's in an episode, you know, not as a companion, but maybe you know just as a um, you know a, an actor, a guest actor in in a particular story. But I mean, it it really depends on what you. I think that they're getting excited because they're assuming that it's going to be a regular companion. But it seems that now uh, people particularly here in the UK anyway, are using the term companion very loosely to, to people who are just in one episode, who maybe the fans, as fans, we wouldn't say necessarily describe um, uh, Astrid Peth, Kylie's character in Voyage of the Damned, as a, as a companion. You wouldn't right. use that, that word because they, ha- they haven't traveled with the doctor sure they've they've helped out and so on but you you wouldn't use that word anymore than you'd say that yeah i mean at one time there was this fan criteria that you know in order to be a companion you had to travel in the tardis or something like that before you could be considered you know a companion i mean this is all unofficial of course but Mm -hmm. but i mean you're right it's it's a perfectly valid point but i mean if if it's the case then it's an it's a nice Nice casting. She's a little bit on the young side, but then again, people have said that about Matt Smith, so I'm not saying anything against that because I'm going to let their acting speak for itself. Everybody had their doubts about Billy Piper, and she came along and completely, you know, wiped the floor with everybody. Everybody was amazed with her performance and everything, so... Well, it is interesting to think about what kind of, you know, who they might cast up against Matt Smith, you know, um, you know, being that he's a, a younger actor himself. And with Peter Davison, it was pretty much a young cast on, you know, uh, you know, they, they called it the Crowded Tardis, but I, I thought it, it worked well at times. I don't know if we'll have multiple companions or not, but I'm curious on whether or not if they're going to be casting someone that would be, um, as far as um, Earth ages go, older than the actor Matt Smith or not. Yeah, I think they're probably heading in a younger direction. Um, Kim, Kimberly Nixon, as well, was uh, says she's ruled out Doctor Who. So in that in that companion rumor mill or guest star rumor mill, um, mm. an actress that you know saying that she didn't even audition. So you see how these the rumor things pop up. Yeah. You know, well, you know, you're you're under twenty six. And you're an actress. Chances are you're in line to be the companion. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, we had the whole discussion about this before Matt Smith was cast. Who's going to play the the eleventh Doctor? And as soon as they're cast, then the next question is, well, who's going to play the companion? And right. the, you know, be a whole list of down the bookies. I bet you could go and bet on this. Who's going to be the next companion? And all their <laughs> odds. And they'll be throwing them all these names around, some ridiculous. And I mean, I don't know what it is. Why? why we feel the need in Doctor Who to do this, or why particularly the British public feel the need to do it. You know, just let the production team get on with it. They know what they're doing. Stephen Moffat has proved himself. It's not like, you know, um, back in 2005 when 
you know, Russell T. Davis, everyone was, was, wasn't sure about him casting Billy and so on because they hadn't actually seen an episode. Now we've seen what the production team is capable of. We've seen what Stephen Moffat is capable of. He's done several episodes of Doctor Who. So I, I'm just like, well, if they do it, they do it. If it's, if it's this girl, Hannah Murray, then fine, you know. But let's wait and see what the BBC say about it. And until they come out with an announcement, then, you know, fair enough, the tabloids have been fairly accurate, but they're never 100%. They always, they always get something wrong, if not the whole story is a load of rubbish. But Yeah, they, they, this is just an ongoing thing. And, and, I mean, we have fun with it because it's nice to compare, uh, particularly if you like an actress or an actor, you say, oh, that would be great if that was really the case. And it, it's fun to speculate, but that's really all they're doing. They're just... They're doing no nothing different than the three of us are doing right now, or like anybody who's listening at home. You know, it's we're yeah. just throwing names around. It's the same thing with like James Bond. They constantly, you know, the minute they cast a James Bond, they're saying, "Well, when is this James Bond leaving?" You know, it's like Dude, I just got the yeah. gig. He hasn't even started uh, you know? yet. You haven't even seen yeah. him in the. It's like and... when will Daniel Craig leave as James Bond? You know, what, are you are you insane? Like, yeah, but well, even then. He, even beyond that, there's always the question of, well, how many episodes or how many movies have you been contracted for? Yeah, you know, that that question even before Casino Royale came out, you know, and that was the question even before Daniel Ten- uh, Daniel Tennant, David <laughs> Daniel Tennant, Tennant, a brand new, <laughs> he's Tennant, half James Bond, who. half Doctor Who. <laughs> well, Tennant did wear those. He's all man. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear well our, our um our friend chris who uh lewis and i were uh we we went uh, for a post gallifrey wrap-up uh among some friends mm. some who went to gallifrey some who didn't do exchange pictures and some things like that but our friend chris made a great um uh, theory observation call it what you will his theory is that James Bond is a Time Lord stranded on Earth and a member of the Celestial Intervention Agency. Because he's always regenerating. <laughs> um, and he's always <laughs> doing stuff here on Earth, and he thinks he's British, so... <laughs> maybe, There's some fan maybe, fiction waiting to happen. Maybe he also, you know, he... he, he tells people that, oh, you know, he covers up his regeneration by saying the fact that, you know, he needs to undertake co- constant cosmetic surgery to change his appearance to maintain... Well, of course, he's a spy. But a spy, exactly. So yeah. it all makes sense. It's a good theory. There you, go. you know, maybe they can have a Doctor Who, James Bond crossover. Maybe, maybe he's... I'm sure it's out there somewhere already. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Yeah, and he and he's put the whole thing, you know, like like the fob watch bit. We got to look to see if James Bond has a fob watch, because then he's taking human form. Mm, I'm sure Q, Q may have, may have given him one at one point or another. Mm, so yeah. I think we've gotten ahead of ourselves with all this talk about 2010 and Matt Smith and who's going to be his companion and what the TARDIS will look like and more immediate is a month from now will be um we have we would have already have seen planet of the dead which is the first of the four specials of 2009 this year and um we we will be reviewing that we do our usual live show probably what will be the following sunday but but getting back to um it's going to be easter weekend so you figure april 12th or 11th that saturday before easter sunday most likely they haven't announced an exact date except for saying that it's easter weekend it's planet of the dead and um and 
I think from our last episode, the, the biggest news uh, relating to the specials is that the following one after Planet of the Dead won't take place until Christmas. So we have a long gap from, you know, from Easter weekend to uh, to Christmas before we don't have a title for the next one, but for the next special. Yeah. And yeah, then, there's um, Russell T. Davies uh, has been doing some interviews. Uh, SFX is one of them. And, but I'm reading this off a website called Airlock Alpha. Yeah, which uh, was uh, says, previously called will have an arc. <laughs> um, no, that's a whole nother story. But the four the four episodes will have a story arc between them, and the after Planet of the Dead, the three episodes, rem, the three specials remaining will be around Christmas time, to, somewhere between Christmas and New Year's. I and mean, the, the rumor is Christmas, Boxing Day, and, and New Year's Day, which really to me isn't. Four specials spread out through 2009. It's just a really long Christmas special. Mm. Um, I I well, feel a little gypped on that because I was hoping for something in July and then maybe in October or something, yeah, sort of would... spreading it out. And now, really, we're just cramming it into the holiday season. Uh, we're I don't know. I'm just I don't know. I was a little little bit disappointed about that. I yeah. mean, see, I was you know, hoping. Just, Originally, it's not a bunch of specials. It's now this sort of three-parter at the end of the year or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. he's saying it's uh, not a three-parter, but there's a And then Matt connection. Smith turns around in March or April of 2010, and he's suddenly the doctor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so between December of 2009 and let's just say roughly July of 2010, in the six-month period, we're going to have, let's see, 13, 14, 16 episodes. Mm. I, I don't know. I'm just a little puzzled. Yeah, I'm I'm puzzled as well, particularly as as a Doctor Who fan. I would like, you know, I would like my fix, thank you very much. I, I would like to have a constant steady stream of episodes. And I was quite excited when I heard that they, it was going to be four, because then, okay, that's like it's one seasonal. every three months. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so I, 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 the thing is, is that he's said, Lewis has correctly uh, picked up on this, that he's, uh, RTD has said that... There will be an arc, so to speak, but each one is not a that you know it's not like there's a two parter or a three parter. There's a running arc, but you know, there's you couldn't exactly say that it's a four part story or something. So I thought when I heard that, I thought great. So that probably will mean that you know it won't be much longer after we've seen Planet of the Dead that they'll release the next one, and then you know uh, actually, maybe here's, they'll... here's the exact quote from uh, from Russell. It ends in a two parter. There's a very strong link between the last three specials. It's not a three-parter, but there's a strong connection. Uh, as we head towards the ending, it gets thematically bigger and bigger. Okay. So make well, a so, of that. Yeah, well, okay, then there's a two-parter. But, you know, to, to just I, – I think – I don't like the whole idea of squashing them all together as, as, uh, as one thing. I mean, it will be awesome over Christmas to see that, but uh, really – I mean, come on, guys. You know, would it would it have hurt to spread it out across the year and keep people waiting and and wanting to see how it all ends instead of you know shoving them all together? That would have been cool to have like a cliffhanger and have to wait like a couple of months for it to be resolved. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't yeah. get it. So I'm, 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 you know, I have a, a, some mixed feelings. I mean, it, it, the good thing is when we finally get to it, you won't have long to wait when you get into that block of three at the end of the year it just you're going to get to this block of three after this 
what, nine month gap, whatever it turns out to be, eight month gap, you're going to get one after another after another. And then there'll be a, what, three month gap maybe until Matt Smith takes over and we get that season. So I, I liked it spread out more, but whatever. It's, that's what they that's what they're going to do. So yeah, originally uh, this also may have, from a production side may have been a scheduling issue. True, true. Um I um I'm part of me thinks that it's a creative decision, but part of it could be a very practical decision. So Yeah, before yeah. Russell T. Davies confirmed this, originally it was just speculation that the next special was gonna be in Christmas because there was um leaked information that there was fake snow on the set. You know, and of course, people just speculated that, okay, well, that means a Christmas special. But then mm. Russell T. Davies in this um, SFX magazine had confirmed that it, it is indeed going to be, uh, it will come out, uh, again, to quote Russell T. Davies, there's an Easter one and then a big gap, and then the other three are going to go out around Christmas time slash end of the year. So um, he there he goes, he confirmed it. It is, of course, and why must any time there be snow, it must be a Christmas special, but it just seems to be a rule now with Doctor Who. It could be the planet of the Ude. I was going to say, yeah, that's yeah. what came to my mind. Okay, but, then why must all Christmas specials have snow? <laughs> yeah, I don't get that either. I mean, Lord, I think it's just that if we don't have a white Christmas, at least we can have a white Christmas on Doctor Who, you know? <laughs> so... But Lord knows we've had enough snow this year. Uh, I really hope we don't have a white Christmas. This, you know, crazy. Okay, so what else? Let's move on in the news. Well, the other big news is um, is is spoiler territory. So I <gasps> must sound the spoiler alarms, and you know, the cloister bells we'll, ringing. We'll have the cloister bells ringing during the spoiler information. Cloisters so. ring. Are you listening? <laughs> Sorry, we're talking Christmas. Hey, it works. <laughs> Somebody's ears are bleeding now from my singing. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> Ooh. Nice. Okay, so what is this? Okay. What are we talking about? What we're talking about is, and let me, we'll, let me just, uh, okay, well, here we go. Three, two, one. <laughs> it's your last chance. The Mirror today is reporting on the 17th of March that Tenet is, well, the headline reads this, Tenet War on Martians, which um, implies. No, no, War on Martians. Tenet War on Martians. Martians. Yes. So is that the Ice Warriors? Well, it's uh, or a long-time Doctor Who fan will make that connection. It's a possible spoiler. It's uh, Tenet, David Tennant, who will fight creatures from Mars in his last days as Doctor Who is, is what it says. And um, it's, uh, it's a casting. Again, this isn't any official sources being coming out of the mirror. So, uh, But they're reporting um, Exope um, actor Peter O'Brien... Uh, who played uh, Shane Ramsey in Neighbors. Yes, yeah. As well as um, actress uh, Gemma Chan. Will Gemma they, Chan. Will be playing baddies, and these um, the, the unnamed source says that Peter and Gemma's evil characters are some of the final ones David will face before Matt Smith replaces him. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm quite excited about this because... The way that they phrased it, again, this is a rumor because it's coming from the mirror. 
but the way that they phrased it is they just say creatures, which for me implies ice warriors um, because they've not outright said it. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, because even these guys don't want to spoil it too far. And, or, or they just may not be aware of it. If they're not long-time yeah. Doctor Who fans, you know... They might not be aware of it, I, I and also... There was another we, article on the, the Den of Geek, I believe, that had mentioned this, but it completely went over their head as far as Mars goes. They just, you know, they didn't make that connection there. But again, they, mm. it, it really takes a, you know, someone that's kind of entrenched in Doctor Who to kind of make that connection. Yeah, but it's it's plausible because we know that Russell has said that well, he would like to bring more. But that's the whole thing, you know. Since back. in the Russell T Davies era, the first year, two thousand and five, we saw the return of the Daleks. Then uh, the the following was um, the Cybermen, Cyber- and then the Master, Suntar- and then the Suntarans. So each year brought in another returning old adversary. So yes, what's you know, you know who's uh, left? This is this is a little strange. We're gonna have to shuffle. We're gonna have to sort through this a little bit. Well, M- Martians could be uh, ice warriors. Then there was a rumor of the Ood that would that would relate to snow. Um, in addition to having ice warriors and snow, and it sort of ties into Christmas. Okay, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm. But we, we, I can't see the tenth Doctor heading into his regeneration with this climactic battle featuring the ice warriors you know mm. it just if it is great i'm all for it i think it'll be a lot of fun but we noticed that we suddenly stopped talking about the time war uh we, we stopped talking about flashbacks we stopped talking about returning classic doctors we stopped talking about Paul McGann, Gallifrey, Hidden Planets, flashbacks to Time Wars, colossal, spectacular ending to the David Tennant era. And we suddenly have gone to small invasion, Martian problem around Christmas time uh, leading up to these two people who have been cast. Well, we who don't know if it's small. We, I mean, we suddenly yeah. went from big and grand to... Well, what, what makes you think we're gone to small? I don't see the ice warriors being the cause of the time war. Do you? Who says anything about that? Who says anything has to do anything with the, with the time war? Well, that's what I'm saying. We were talking time war at one point. We've suddenly stopped talking about it. I, I get, I get it because everybody's farting on about. It, we we don't war. know how the time war began. Maybe they did play a part in it, but we don't even know if the time war plays a part in um you know the, how tenets um going to regenerate. Do you think that the the creatures from the Peladin stories are going to cause a time war? That's a a stretch for me. Well, more than a stretch than the Daleks or the Cybermen doing it. (laughs) Why? The Daleks are some of the most powerful creatures in the universe. The Ice Warriors are Ice Warriors. <laughs> they had a problem with transmat technology. I, I've given up expecting logic to bring Doctor Who and, and, and stuff and, and stuff to follow scientifically. You know, it... what, what, what I'm really what I'm really getting to is that it it's either this beautiful distraction that they are doing the Time War and they've got us focused on Ice Warriors, or 
why did we just suddenly stop talking about it? Well, like, no one stopped talking about anything. And we're not even talking about Ice Warriors. We're just speculating here. We're just, uh, this is a rumor that's coming out of the, the mirror, and we're just reporting on it. It's, okay. I, I mean, I'm not, fair I'm enough, not we're advocating, talking about people who were cast as Martians. I'm not advocating the Ice Warriors to come back. I'm just saying it's a possibility. No, it, no exactly. you know, and it, it's on par with any other possibility and speculation. There, there was, um, and again, spoiler alert here as far, I mean, it, as far as the Ood goes, and it sort of makes sense to what we've already seen already, that uh, that Tenet will see the Ood one last time before, quote, his song ends. Yeah, so. that's, 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 yeah. right. That's uh, one of the things that was in the... So for all we know, these people end. are going to be playing Ood or or be be part of, um you know, the, the controlling the Ood or whatever, and maybe the Ood are relocated on Mars. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> mm. They have to Ood work David Bowie into this somehow. <laughs> yeah, John Sim coming back as well, but not as the master, you know. <laughs> okay, let's move along from this. Move, move along, along, move along. So, what else do we got? We have um, uh, Outpost Gallifrey has their newsfeed has been posting the latest photos or screenshots, I should say, of the K9 spinoff, which unfortunately John Leeson has not been approached to do the voice, and we've already seen, you know. Um, illustrations of what the cgi canine was going to look like but now actually seeing it in screenshots or whatever it, it brought it to life or not uh, you know i say or not because depending on your opinion it's um it is very much a cgi looking dog dog, dog. it yeah. looks more toy than what has been said is that when the series does open it will start with canine being the recognizable canine we know and love and that we um, I think they they had quoted it was going to be the canine that uh, the looked dog. identical to the one that Leela had on Gallifrey. Yeah, the tin, tin dog version. So somehow canine regenerates into um, <laughs> this um, yeah. mark. Monstrosity <laughs> is how I would describe it, but that's me. I, I'm sorry, James. How would you describe it? I missed it. Monstrosity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 not, I'm not impressed, guys. I've got to say. Well, I mean, hey, I know... just what, just what we need—another Doctor Who spinoff. We don't have yes. enough of those. It's, it's getting to become almost like Stargate Atlantis syndrome or something like along those lines. It's just, come on, guys. It's like I'm, Stargate Comac. I think point. this series is going to really. I mean, after he regenerates into the new K9, I think it's going to bear very little resemblance to Doctor Who in any shape or form. I, I don't think. Yeah. They're going to reference Doctor Who much. I don't. I'll be surprised well, it's, it's if there's even. It's a non-BBC production, so they may have limitations. Yeah, I, exactly. Yes, it's not. I'm sure this, that they will. This kind of reminds me of when when they made um, that when they made Never Say Never Again. They had the script to Thunderball, and had very specific things they could do. And it was a very narrow out. definition of how you could remake James Bond because they couldn't step on licensing and things like that. It was the same thing. Yeah. There's the rights to Canine. And they have a very, they probably have very narrow parameters as to what they can do and what they can touch. It really is the Sarah Jane Adventures minus Sarah Jane, and just this time with, you know, it's it's a just kids ca- show with mm-hmm. young kids running around doing Doctor Who ish kind of things. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like, and I, I but I think you've you've hit the nail on the head, Ken. It it it, it probably won't 
uh, be anything like the canine that we all know and love, apart from the fact that it, the color scheme is is fairly similar. But the fact that they haven't even uh, approached John Leeson, I think, speaks volumes, or at least we don't know that they have. Because well, Bob Baker thought... had said this, quote, um, there's a great debate about the voice. I take your point about John, speaking of John Leeson, uh, but it being a co-production, we have uh, we have many masters to please. No, no, not that was masters. You know. No pun intended. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you and all canine fans will like what we eventually come up with since the new canine is the same character and his speech patterns are the same, end quote. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, is that He's going to start every sentence with the with bitty bitty bitty. Yeah. <laughs> oh no no no. <laughs> it, 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 it's just I, I I understand why they want to do it. They want to make money, but the second that they think that, and the second that that becomes the main priority, that's when everything goes to hell. And absolutely, you know, because where was the talk of a canine a canine show ten years ago before Doctor Who was back? There wasn't one. Yeah, there wasn't one. They had to bring Doctor Who back before this was going to be uh, an option, uh, you know, economically feasible and all the rest of it. But the thing is, is if they wanted to please the fans, then the, there would be an announcement tomorrow that said John Leeson will voice K-9. You know, I understand that they want to maybe bring it to a new audience and and um, uh, put a, a fresh, fresh look on things and so on and so forth. But... The fact is, is that even for little kids, they know K-9 as K-9 that we've seen in School Reunion and that we've seen in the Sarah Jane Adventures. And they wanted the more K-9, just add, make, write them into a few episodes. Yeah, write them into Sarah Jane. Jane. Well, they yeah, are. I mean, half the that's another that's the other piece of this news story is that uh, we're going to see more canine. We, in fact, we'll we're potentially facing the battle of the canines because the next series yes. of Sarah Jane Adventures will have canine his 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 little butt plug on that black pole is going to come out and he'll actually be with Sarah Jane on half of the um the the series. You know, our half the episodes canine is is said to be um in the adventures know. themselves. Okay. But I mean, he, he was even in the uh, comic uh, relief episode, much yes. to my I haven't seen eye. it yet, but I've seen uh, shots of it, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the thing is, is that if you... I, I, I don't know if it's just going to be another K-9, so K-9, Mark... I, I don't even know how many we're up to right now. What, Mark 5 or something? So, um, I, I don't know how it's all going to play out. But the thing is, is that they... It, it's disappointing because they could have done so much more with it, I think. They could have they could have had crossover, but it just seems like they've just decided, well, we're gonna we can make some more cash out of this. Let's milk it for all it's worth. And, I'm just uh, I'm just I don't have the time to to follow all these spin-offs. It's that's yeah. the way I feel about it. It's like let's yeah. let's just have a great thing with Doctor Who and and I like Torchwood to a certain degree. I like Sarah Jane Adventures to a certain degree. Uh, you know, I'm not a diehard about those shows. I'm still a Doctor Who fan at heart. Too, well, the man. series is called Canine. The series it's um it's twenty six. Wow, Canine. The series. It's the running time is uh half hour episodes. There'll be twenty six of them. The genre is comedy, and the premise is somewhere in the future. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Interesting. All Invented. right. So I'm but holding. It, it up is from the writer of, of Wallace and Gromit, show. so I'll give him that. You know, Bob Baker, who's a, a co-creator of um Canine. 
But you, you know what? Let the, the, I think our worry is is that it's just Doctor Who as a brand is just going to become the jack of all trades, master mm-hmm. of none, um, and yeah. no pun intended again. Um, With Jack and Master. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so uh, let's let's just see how things pan out. But as a Doctor Who fan, looking at that, the images that have been released of K Nine, I'm I'm not impressed. I'm not feeling it, and I think you guys obviously feel the same but you know i'm not i'm going to reserve my judgment till we see what the series is like exactly. but i'll do the same but right now it looks more like the sony ibo than the k9 that we know yeah i thought that i thought that well i think that's going to wrap things up for the news so um before we take our break i do want to introduce our new sponsor which is audible.com we want to thank them for supporting our show and we have a special offer for you for from audible.com that we would like to introduce to you and that is a free audible.com download. You can do that by going to audiblepodcast.com slash podshock. Once again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash podshock. Alternatively, or you, can use the- you can go to our website and we have a banner ad there that will bring you right there. If you click on it on our website, it will bring you right there. You don't have to worry about remembering the URL. Well, and you can always use the the link on the Podshock page. That's always your best way of going to things because it it's a direct link, and then computer people know, oh, wow, that came from Podshock.net. So that's always a sexy thing to use the link. It, we have tons of links on the site, and Audible's right up there on the front page. I was browsing it yesterday when you told me, oh, guess what? Audible's going to be you know sponsoring this week's episode, and I was like, that's great. The deals are pretty good. I was kind of surprised. Like, there's a ton of Doctor Who titles on there. As a matter of fact, after the show today, I think I'm going to download the Sensorites just because I this one I'm needing for my collection, and I totally forgot I didn't buy that or anywhere down the line. So I think the there's, Sensorites is to be my... There's new material as well as... Yeah, um, kind of Evil was on there. I mean, that yeah, just came which, out. The Crotons with Patrick Troughton. So there's classic stuff as well as new material. Martha in the Mirror, The Many Hands... Hey, I tell you what, why don't we play a preview of the Robert Holmes, Doctor Who, and the Crotons? This is um, unabridged, and it's available from audible.com. Architecture. It's more typical of a, of a low-gravity planet, and yet I think this is quite normal, yes. Inca, perhaps? Yes, possibly. Come on, let's see what he's up to. They follow Jamie down the hillside towards a gigantic dome-shaped structure at the edge of the city. Doctor, down here! Partially buried within the hillside itself, the dome is constructed from a honeycomb of crystal. As the trio draws closer, they spot a hexagonal doorway set atop a metal ramp. Once smooth and silver, time and neglect have dulled the surface to a resemblance of granite. What is it? Don't know. There's a ramp here. Yes, and there's a door as well. Is it a wall? I hardly think so, Zoe. That smells a lot stronger around here. The doctor is inspecting the doorway. Oh, this is interesting. What, doctor? Oh, metal, isn't it? What, covered in moss and litter? Well, uh, metal. Will you say so? I I think we'd better get away from here. What? Come along. But why? Well, this isn't a building. This is a machine. Come machine. along. Doctor, it's open. Come on, quickly, behind the rocks. They dive for cover as the doorway slides upwards. A figure shambles into view. It is Abu, clutching at his head, the once alert and confident youngster now has the appearance of a slack George Simpleton. 
As Abu stumbles on oblivious, two slender pipes extend from... There you have it. The classic Robert Holmes story, Doctor Who, The Crotons, which is unabridged. As you heard, it has the audio from the actual television episodes. So Patrick Troughton's in it and Wendy Padbury and uh, classic stuff. So it could be your free download if you choose it to be. Once again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash podshock. Get your free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial today. Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, information, and education programming. Content from Audible is downloaded and played back on personal computers, CDs, iPod players. Audible offers 80,000 hours of audio programs from 270 content partners that include leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine, and newspaper publishers, podcasters, and business information providers. Listen whenever and wherever you like, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. Audible has over a thousand science and technology titles and over a thousand one hundred science fiction and fantasy titles, with more being added all the time. Audible has over fifty thousand titles to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. In addition to a ton of Doctor Who titles, there's Blake Seven, there's Star Trek, there's Star Wars, there's other things, you know, other science fiction, other types of books so it's pretty good they've been a supporter of doctor who pod shock and the prices i thought were i mean you know i was looking on there and i'm like wow these are actually pretty decent prices so cool thumbs up to audible thank There's you Fifty thousand selections there so if you if you don't want to get a doctor who you don't have to you're not limited to that you can get any anything else it could be science fiction it could be science fact it could be anything once again, get a free audiobook download when you sign up for a free trial today. And it supports Doctor Who Podchuck, so right there. Thank yeah. them, and we thank you. And, and, and I wanted to say that, too. You know, I, I, We take time out from time to time, but we've been getting a ton of feedback, and we're going to get to that to the, at the end of the show, and, and, and great responses. And we wanted to say from Lewis, James, and I, we, we never forget, and we always want to say thank you very much for, for being a subscriber and, and, um, and for being a, a friend to Doctor Who Podchuck. Absolutely. Mm. Thank you for having a heart or two. Or two. All right, well, we'll be right back with more Doctor Who Podshock. This is Peter Davison, and you're listening to the Doctor Who Podshock. What's that? It's a sonic screwdriver. Never fails. Drop the sonic device. Isn't my day, is it? Even the sonic screwdriver won't get me out of this one. Are you seeking Doctor Who news? The Sonic News Driver. Selected Doctor Who related news stories delivered sonically. All in a bite-sized podcast. No bigger than a jelly baby. This can function as a sonic blaster, a sonic cannon, and a triple and fold sonic disruptor. Doc, what you got? I've got a sonic... Uh... Oh, never mind. What? It's sonic. Okay, let's leave it at that. Disruptor, cannon, what? It's sonic. Totally sonic. I am sonic to A sonic what? Screwdriver! The Sonic News Driver. Find it on iTunes or go to sonicnewsdriver.com. 
Who has a sonic screwdriver? I do. The sonic news driver. Get yours today, sonically. Neat, isn't it? And now we pick up where we left off in Doctor Who Podshock 142 with our interview with John Levine. This is part two. Once again, this is John Levine as we interviewed him at Gallifrey 20 in February 2009. So anyway, that, that was it. And then, of course, Sergeant Benton became, a, a, if, you, if I may say, a vital part. Uh, of the unit definitely, family. Definitely. Yes. And, and I mean, again, I didn't know that look until five years after I'd left the show. And it wasn't until people like yourself wrote in and said how lovely my character was. So I used to put the uniform on. Like, for example, I've just been asked, my website's become incredibly popular. We've had 140,000 hits in six months, all because of my, my blogs. I'm being, writing very passionate blogs. But one of my great jumps in my acting job was when I got a part opposite Gene Barry, who was in Burke's Law, The Old War of the Worlds. Well, Gene Barry in England was known as a bit of an arrogant actor. And I, he had a series in England called The Adventurers. And I got the part as his co-pilot which is a great part. And I always remember, I got down to Elstree Studio. This must have been back in, oh, I don't know, 1980 or 75. I'm not sure. It all seems so distant now. Anyway, I got into the studio, and the whole studio was left with just Gene Barry and myself. Now, as a young bit actor, I suddenly thought, my God, I'm with one of Hollywood's big ones. Anyway, the wardrobe woman came in. I said, what is Gene Barry like? She's always oh, a bastard. And I thought, oh, no, not my first big part. Hair, wardrobe, makeup came in. And I said, can I just ask you, what Gene Barry's like, oh, they said, oh, he's a bastard. And I thought, oh, and I, you start to get real nervous. Anyway, you know, the prop, the PA came in, and I said, you know, how, how is it? Oh, he's a miserable. And I thought, oh, my God. So this is one of those growing times when, as a young man, like, you'll notice times when you grow in leaps and bounds. It's either love, finance, or your own dedication to better yourself. It's usually one of those three, one of those three things. Anyway, by now, I'm now thinking this is going to be my first big part buggered up by being being nervous because this job's going to be a real sod to work with. Well, I walked into the studio and there's only one item in the whole studio. It's the whole fuselage of a plane because I was going to be his pilot. Well, suddenly in the middle, in the middle of this studio, in the middle of the studio, there's Gene Barry smoking the longest cigar I've ever seen in my life, even longer than Winston Churchill. Anyway, I went up and I, I was so timorous. This is, and I'm only telling you this story to show you how life can push you away with a bad word, and that's why we have one saying in England, which I grew up with, be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. But you have to be bold silently, quietly, and without anyone's knowing. You have to dare, and he who dares wins. Anyway, so he's in the middle of the studio, and I smell the cigar, and I thought, God, that's strong. I love this. I despise smoking, but I love the smell of cigar. So long and the short of it is, I walk in, and I'm, I'm all kind of, oh, God, I was, I mean, my collar was wet, and, because I don't know about you, but I, I sweat. Well, we all sweat. Don't we? But, so, I, so I walk in and, and I go up very timorously. Instead of going up with my, hello, Mr. Barry, good morning, and trying to kind of face him off, I went up and said, oh, good morning, Mr. Barry. My name is John Levine. I'm, I'm playing Tony, your co-pilot. He was up off his feet, shook my hand, and said, my God, what a great Brit. What a great Brit. And I thought, what? And I thought there was someone behind me. And I, and I actually looked, and I thought, who the fuck is he talking to? Anyway. There's me, having heard all this, oh, he's a, and he came in, he said, you like a cigar, John? And I thought, well, I can't. You can't say no now. <laughs> See, it's so difficult to say no. So I said, yeah, you know, like men like us smoke cigars. Well, I mean, it choked me. I lit it up and it nearly killed me. Anyway, <laughs> long and the short of it is, we got in the plane to do the scenes, and suddenly I realized how big my part was. 
great part in this adventure. Oh, and it was the, the name of the episode was called I'll Get There on Time or I'll Be There on Time. <laughs> I've actually Even more appropriate. I've, oh, my God. Yes. 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 You see? I'll get there on time. <laughs> anyway, so we're in the cockpit of this plane. Now, a couple of funny things. When you are an actor and when you are, when the moment comes, that's when, that's why these big actors become stars like the Tom Cruises and the, I mean, in all fairness, you know, Tom Cruise is a brilliant actor. I mean, I almost hate to admit it, but he is, he gives better face and, and like him and Brad Pitt, absolutely brilliant actors. Now, I knew I was never going to be brilliant because I didn't have the drive to be so, which is why I never ended up as a leading man. I could have been, I was put up for Bond and out of 400 actors, I came fifth to be Bond after Conrad. Remember, I was six foot two, slightly pretty in those days. You know, well, you know, like the, the kind of pretty they wanted. Anyway, um, hang on. Oh, damn, I've gone off my story. Um, cigars. Cigars. So we get into the cockpit of the aircraft, and now I'm suddenly feeling fabulous. It's Gene Barry calling me John, not my character name. So, John, uh, what's it like to be English? I said, well, pretty much the same as it is to be an American, you know? I said, we're separated by a common language, but we will get this sorted out, Mr. Barry. He said, no, no, call me Gene. So suddenly we're smoking these huge bleeding cigars, now the prop man has to come in and empty the cockpit of smoke because Gene would not put his cigarette in. <laughs> and as he's doing that, he knocks over the coffee, which goes in my lap. Now, hot coffee in your lap when you're sitting next to a Hollywood star is not a great start to the day. <laughs> so suddenly my penis is being burned by coffee, and it wasn't even decaf. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it could have been the decaf coffee of my life. <laughs> so the <laughs> Anyway, the long and the short of it is... We started shooting, and my dialogue just came out. I was so nervous that the nerves do go. They do retreat to the back of your mind. So I'm flying this bloody great jet, you know, and I'm flying it. And the dialogue, something like, uh, uh, so, Gene, uh, when are we meant to be in... Oh, sorry, I'm American then. When are we meant to be in Berlin? And he said, oh, I don't know. We're flying at 37,000 feet, whatever. Well, suddenly, just like in a comedy movie, we've done the scene, and the scene was perfect. You know when it's perfect because the timing, the body language, everything works. Would you bloody believe it? The bloke that was doing the clouds was walking across the wing. So he was walking across he the wing at 37,000 feet, and he got a better shot than Gene or I did. <laughs> so anyway, we redid the scene, and the long and the short of it is, I ended up, and that's when I grew as an actor. I thought, I can take on Gene Barry. I can take on anybody. And then uh, four years after that, I gave the bloody business up uh, because, you know, it was getting harder and so on and so on. So that's, that's my making it as a reasonably good actor story. And it was very exciting. But the Benton thing, I think it was just a matter that my father was a war hero. I had watched, we love war movies in Britain. There's no point denying it. I mean, The Dirty Dozen, Where Eagles Dare, and all those old black and whites like uh, Ice Cold and Alex. <gasps> Dan Buster's now, guess who I've just written a letter to? Oh, I've got to tell you this. Back in 1953, I was 11 years old and I'd contracted a rare blood disease. Poliomyelitis had struck my county down. 2,900 boys in my county went down with poliomyelitis, and they all ended up totally crippled. It missed my house by one. It hit the first four houses, 62, 64, 68, and 70. It missed mine and got the next five. But I ended up with a blood disease where my blood became putrid, and I had to sit tied to a chair for one year while they cut just below my back to bleed me like they did in the old days. They tried leeches and everything. I was rushed to an American hospital, an American airbase on Salisbury Plain, which is where all the UFO, UFO sightings are. Now, my father was a bomb disposal man on Salisbury Plain, and he's the man that got burned up. He was blown up and burned to death in 74 by dismantling your bombs from Vietnam. So your bombs killed my father. 
I'll collect a check later. <laughs> and I must also mention at this point that my mother was a ventriloquist. And you know, for 10 years, I thought it was the dog telling me to kill my father. <laughs> Isn't that the weirdest thing? Anyway. <laughs> it's so silly. So anyway, yeah, so the long and the short of it is, you know, life is, uh, is a bitch. Uh, um, well, but, tell me about the damn buses. Oh, the damn buses. Because I was ill for a year, um, what, what, what I, I end up not being able to walk because when you don't lose your legs, you, you get it's atrophy, I think. That's what yeah. It yeah anyway, Richard Todd had made Rob Roy, oh, the hasty heart with Ronald Reagan, one of your ex-presidents. Anyway, he came to our town. I come from a small town. I beg you one day, check it up. It's called Salisbury. When the Romans took us over in 59 AD, they called it Serum. And there is a book in your libraries called Serum by Edward Rutherford. It is the greatest... Thank you, thank you. Oh, it's the greatest book on English history. I've, isn't it fantastic? I beg you. Now, you know where he was born, four doors away from where I grew up in number 13, the Close. I grew up in the Close, the Salisbury Cathedral Close. And that's where Oliver Cromwell tried to beat the door down. Not when I was there, of course, but, you know. So my history, we, my family go back to 1138. My family have been in Salisbury since 1138. So I'm one of the genuine... Um, 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 Anglo-Saxon men left in England because I'm totally non-mixed blood. What was the Richard Todd? Now, when you're 11 years old, you don't know what a movie star is. All you know is that the person on the screen has either made you cry, made you laugh, or made you scared. My mum came back. Now, remember, every day I had to sit up for a year. I had to sit up when I pee-peed or poo, and it was just awful. And there were about 10 of us that caught this disease. So my mum came home one day, and in those days we had two comics, because we were very poverty-stricken. They were called The Sun and The Comet. And they were all about some of your cowboys, like, uh, oh, all your cowboys, uh, Kit Carson, Roy Rogers. And I even entered a competition with Cadbury's Chocolate to spend a fortnight on Roy Rogers Ranch, and I came about 200th in that, and all I got were four bars of chocolate. But anyway, Richard Todd came to our village, our town. So my mum got me out of bed, put me on crutches, and we staggered down to the Salisbury Marketplace, Remember, it's a medieval city. And there was Richard Todd, my hero, sitting like I am now behind the autograph table there. I was the first in the queue because my mum was the one that made me on time. He looked up and he could see I was ill and he held my hand. And he touched my hand and he said, you've been ill, haven't you? And I said, yes. Because, I mean, I was gone. I was bleeding because you bleed out of the eyes, out of your teeth. It was terrible. So I was bleeding in front of Richard Todd. Well, he looked me in the eye and he said, um, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I don't think I will be growing up. They thought this was going to kill me. So I said, I'd be happy to make 12 or 13. And so long as I've seen one hero in my life, I'm happy with that. And he was my hero. And then when he made The Dam Busters, which was the, one of the best war films we ever made. So anyway, the long and the short of it is he gave me two autographs. He said, this is one if you live and I'll give you another one your mum can keep if you die. And I remember him crying, which is why I ended up sometimes crying in front of people that have come up to me for help. And anyway, the long and the short of it is, last year, it was just last year, I phoned his agent up in London, and I wanted to write to him and tell him that that man that he bothered to hold my hand and cry with turned out to be a good man like him, and I wanted him to know it. Excuse me. That's all right. That's all right. Take your time. I've got a friend who's dying about COVID. I've cancer on the lung and he's dying. Anyway, 
I sent him a photograph of one week after I met him when I was 11. And then I sent him one as a character I played in Doctor Who. And I wrote this wonderful letter. It took me three weeks to write and edit. And I sent it to him. And of course, I realize now that he's 84 years old and he couldn't write back. But he actually got my letter. And I just thanked him. And I just thought how wonderful it would have been if he, if he could have written back. But he didn't. So that doesn't matter. It was just the fact that he made my life. And, and then I became the man he... So in other words, he made me the man I wanted to be. John then encouraged me to do that. So that's really how I came with this character. And I only wanted you to know that because I was originally such a shy boy. I was so scared of everything. Um, you know, teachers, I, we, we were caned in those days. And, you know, they, they brought blood. I mean, they break your fingers by just caning you, you know. So they were tough days. So if you were a little bit of a soft man like me, a soft southerner, as they call it. And I remember my father was from Newcastle. My father was a Geordie. And if you ever saw the movie Braveheart, as you know, William Wallace was a real man. It was my father, his, his ancestors that would have been in his army, the toughest men in the world. Your soldiers would never have beaten Braveheart. I mean, anybody can beat America in a war, because you've never won one. You don't know what it's like to win a war. Uh, you will one day, I'm sure. Um, so that was it. And suddenly, you know, I became Sergeant Benton, and it just made my life. I mean, I traveled the world as an emissary to the BBC. And then I, I, I love encouraging other people, and, which is why I love being, I don't know, a, a humanitarian, if you like. And I'm a vegetarian as well. I became vegetarian at a very young age. And uh, I don't know what meat tastes like. All I know is it looks disgusting, except for the smell of bacon. That's the only, the only thing that draws we vegetarians in. So that answers any more questions. We have uh, people here from all the eras of the show, and I'm sure I speak for, for everybody because we've talked about this once before. When uh, when Benton was promoted to Colonel and shows up on the new show, uh, RSM. No, no, no. You're gonna be. We're gonna make you a Colonel. We're gonna have to talk to a few people back there because. You Wouldn't know, I love that? <laughs> Thank you for joining us, by the way. Torchwood, and now Unit has returned, and things like that. They, so we got we got to pin some. Uh, but you know, they're never there. they're never going to have uh, the, the, the Unit boys back. I don't know why. Right, one last question, and then we must go. <coughs> well, I was getting into oh, returning yes. returning into Unit as perhaps a colonel or a brigadier yourself. Rather nice. Did you would you work your way up through the ranks and and if you had a chance, they ever asked. Have you thought about it? Is there something to say, I'm going to do this if I'm ever back as Colonel? If they asked me back, I would do what a couple of old actors used to do in my day when acting seemed to be more of a challenge than it is today. I mean, you can get a job now if you're just good looking or have large breasts. I mean, in those days, you had to have talent. The one thing I would do now is I'd go straight to Berman's and Nathan's, the biggest costumier in London, and I'd get the most elaborate colonel or whatever part they wanted me to play, and I would hire the uniform, and I'd walk in to the audition as Colonel Benton. Now, I know the fans want me back. Nick would have retired, and I know I'd make a brilliant brigadier. I know that. See, notice my confidence now, look. No can't, no can't do it now. I don't give a shit now. I will. So many people try to crush you. So many people try to put you down. They can destroy a whole life with a pure lack of interest, which is why I show interest. I mean, it's difficult to show interest to young men because it looks bad when someone like me. But the one thing I dislike about your country is that decent men like me cannot talk to girls because you're a pedophile. You cannot talk to young boys because you're whatever. You can't talk to women because you're a rapist. I can't talk to anybody in my own hometown of Burbank. You can't, people pick phones up. You can see them behind closed doors. If somebody talk, like my next door neighbor's got a little boy. I beg you check my website, john-levine.com. Just before we made my last movie, 
we shot a little movie for a young boy. His name was Kimo. He's from um, Hawaii. We shot a young uh, a movie around him, took him up into the mountains of Burbank with just three pieces of uh, a little idol and a couple of other things. And we shot, and it's called Kimo and the Quest for the Lost Idol. If you go to my website, I beg you, watch this young man act. And we did this because he was born to cocaine parents. And he had such a lousy life. He had this deficit problem. So we took it, and now suddenly 150,000 people have seen his little movie. And when you see it, you'll see how it made him grow. Now he's a successful young teenager. All because we bothered to shoot a movie totally free and, and just to help him out. Again, that you've, confidence. You've got to help people. You've got, like, there's homeless. Some homeless people are really rough. But if you see someone that's hungry, give them $2 of your money. I've, I mean, I've given a bit too much away. I don't have much money. I mean, I look rich, but I'm not. But I, like, we've got a homeless person now on, on our bench. I told you, Rosa name is. And I went up to her. She had a husband and three children. And they were killed in a car crash. She lost her house, her health. Now she's sleeping in the street. So I went up the other day, and she doesn't let anyone near her. And I went up and said, excuse me, it's my birthday today. I lied. Can I treat you to a coffee? It was a freezing cold morning, even in L.A., and I bought her this coffee. Now she buys me a coffee every other day. Of course, I, I stick the money back in her pocket when she's not looking. But I've noticed it's the humanity that gives your life value. You've got to help those that look up to you, because one day they won't be there. So that's how it happened. So if they asked me back, I would be back in a New York minute. I would love to be back in Dr. Who, but I mustn't wish for it, because if you wish for it, it won't come. Well, um, to all of you, even though this will be edited down, they will take the naughty words out. <laughs> and I just want to thank the, the Podshot, Ken, and all the people involved in this. This is what communication is. This is the very thing. Other people hearing how other people make it or not make it, that surely like is. Absolutely. That's the juice of life, you know? Absolutely. So and we again. also want to thank Sci-Fi Sea Cruise. Who's, uh, oh, for Dan Harris and the Sci-Fi Sea Cruise. Who made it possible for you to be here. If I may say, the Dan Harris Sci-Fi Sea Cruise, <laughs> and I won't say that again, it was a... <laughs> In fact, we had that cruise, and I was walking down the boat deck. We went to, because, you know, the one he's doing this year are, are going to all the islands. Because, you know, I was a, a, cru um, a cruise director and a comedy uh, comedian on uh, 20 years ago on a, an old ship out of uh, Miami. But my wife and I were walking down the deck the other day, and, you know, she looked at me, and she said, you know, John, you remind me of the ocean. And I said, what, you mean wild and restless? She said, no, you make me sick. Ah, that John Levine. For one thing, he's a great storyteller, as you can tell. If you want to catch part one of our interview with John Levine, be sure to go to podshock.net or thegallifrandembassy.org and go to Doctor Who Podshock episode 142. And that contains the first half of this interview with John Levine at Gallifrey 20. And as I explained last time, that thumping that you would hear now and then during the interview, that's just John tapping on the table. We had the microphone on the table, so he's uh, quite animated while he's speaking. So occasionally you would hear him do a type of thing so <laughs> apologies to that with the microphone sitting right on the table well you just heard more from john levine and we have um billy davis our special correspondent better known as the white robot apparently <laughs> as he's gone viral <laughs> with his white robot facebook page uh, he's uh, we have part two of his chicago tardis Review is that the scoop, yes. Lewis? Yes, this is from November of 2008, the last Chicago Tardis. That they're already working on this year's Chicago Tardis, which is going to be really, really exciting. We have uh, Paul McGann's going to be there. McGann's going to be there. Yeah. But awesome. this was um, last year where we had uh, Colin Baker, uh, um, Elizabeth Sladen, and various other guests that were heading the lineup then. And nothing right. but good reviews coming out of it. Billy, take it away. 
Here are some sound bites from the Colin Baker panels. When he walked on stage the first time, he charged up the audience. The convention fans were buzzing all weekend about the recent news that the 10th Doctor, David Tennant, had announced his departure from the new series. Colin had something to say about that. Uh, you know that David Tennant's leaving. Well, apparently he's not going to regenerate. He's going to degenerate. <laughs> Guess who it's going to be? <laughs> Anybody here is mad enough to believe that. Just wishful thinking, really. It's time we had an older guy again. Yes. I think so. <laughs> Colin Baker also talked about visiting the new series set in 2007. And I met Russell T. Davis when I, uh, I was doing a play in Cardiff. And they were filming around the corner of the Christmas special with Kylie Minogue. And they contacted me and said, would, would you like to come around? And, uh, you know, spent some time on set, and I did. And I had to say, Russell was charming. He was absolutely like I always thought the new series were a bit, you know, we don't want to know anything about you old has-beens. This is the bright new, shining, all singing, all dancing, Doctor Who of the, <laughs> the 21st millennium, and so you, you lot can clear off. Um, and that was not the impression I got talking to him. He was, he was almost fannish, he was lovely. You know, he said, the great Colin Baker is on set. I said, cool that. Said. <laughs> no, 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 it's only me. <laughs> he was lovely, and Phil Collinson was, was there, and he was very kind. He came over and said, Hello, I'm Kylie Minogue, as if I didn't know already. Um, it, it was a lovely night, and I was standing talk. I arrived about one in the morning because I'd finished doing the play, and I was still there at half past five uh, while they were filming the, the bit where all these strange creatures are walking around in Cardiff. They get beaten up again. Don't even remember it. Um, but it was a it was a lovely night. The sixth Doctor admits to being a devoted watcher of the new series. Blink was one of his favorite episodes. By the way, if any of you really were scared by those statues, you see, my Doctor would have known what to do. <laughs> All you have to do is shut one eye and swim. And switch, and switch, and you don't blink, do you? Because you're switching eyes, and those statues would never get you. What does David, they're all doing it too, it's wonderful. What does David Tennant know, come on? Callow youth, you want experienced doctors. Degenerate, that's what I say. That was Colin Baker, the sixth doctor. Elizabeth Sladen answered questions in her panels with great recall. She first talked about her comeback in the new series episode, School Reunion, and how she almost turned it down. My agent said that Russell T. Davis and Phil Collins would like to take you for a meal. I think they said to talk about Dr. Hoops, so I thought, oh, well, it has to be Sarah Jane. What is it? And because I'd seen some of the episodes, and I know that Russell and Phil are fan of the time when I was in the programme, I thought, oh, how lovely, you know, that will be a little homage to Sarah, like, there's Sarah Jane, you're with J.C. Penny, you know. <laughs> absolutely loved my time, more than I could ever imagine for a job on Dodger Moon, with John and with Tom. 
And I thought I would rather leave her where she was, where she had an absolute reason for being there, than just even though it's so nice that her little things like, well, well I'm going to lose my agent because I'm going to go along to the great Russell C. Davies and say, I don't want to do this. So I toiled along. We sat in a corner on the table. We started with the meal and they put this story before me. Now, you know how long Sarah, um, since I, I was Sarah Jane, it's a long time. But because of the DVDs going out and the videos, it's like a new audience that get resurrected. So, you know, someone who's five today, who never saw it when I was in it, but because they bought the video or the DVD, you're their companion. And Russell and Will put forward this story. It was like, if you don't want to do it, we'll scrap the story. And the story had been written. It was a gift. It was absolutely lovely. Next, the young fan asked about the future of K-9. He's still in the black hole, <laughs> and he's working hard. I know John Leeson very well, he lives near me. And if I'm in Tesco, I don't see him. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> do that, John. Another fan asked, how was it working with John Barrowman as Captain Jack? He's, oh, he's like, I couldn't be around him 24-7. <laughs> but to be around him, the time I was, I who would have thought you could put Sarah Jane in Captain Jack? <laughs> I couldn't see, I couldn't believe it. And the very first scene I shot on Journey's End was the big one round the TARDIS, round the Han Solo. And we were all there that day. And John stood there and said, oh my God, David, look, look who's there, that's it. And he, he said, I'm so excited, I'm getting moist. <laughs> it was brilliant. He is so 100% there, he blows you away. He, he gives good value for money, he really does. I really, um, I really love John. I don't know him that well, I just knew him on that. He would make a really good friend. Someone asked Elizabeth Sladen if she would finish off the panel with a famous Sarah Jane line from the classic series. I don't know why that is picked up so much. I truly don't. It's weird. I was in a lift in LA and I just got in the lift and the guy behind me went, Oh, Eldred must live and slipped down the back. Eldred must slip. Well, I love this con. It was a lot of fun, a very relaxed atmosphere. The convention provided enough room to accommodate the audience at the panels, and the whole Chicago Tartar staff were total professionals and very friendly, as if they were having as much fun as we were. I hope this report convinces some of you Doctor Who fans to come to Chicago TARDIS next year. I'll definitely be there. It occurs every Thanksgiving weekend. Check chicagotardis.com for more info. All right, back to Ken and Lewis and James in the pod shack. <laughs> that was our like. special correspondent, Billy Davis. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, we were just talking before we went to air today that we were actually counting the days until Gallifrey, and we've got Chicago TARDIS, and Hurricane Who is around the block. This is their first year 
in October 2009 for Hurricane Who in Orlando. It's a great year for for Doctor Who cons. I mean, we got we just had a great Gallifrey on the on their 20th year, and they've already announced Peter Davison for 2010. And you have Chicago TARDIS with Paul McGann and Hurricane Who as well. It's a great great setup. Now, if we only get one here in New York, that would be great. <laughs> be careful and, what you ask um, for. <laughs> what's that? Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's good stuff all around. I, I was thinking the other day when I was looking at some pictures on Facebook, I wish every day could be like Gallifrey, like that feeling that when you're out there and you're just hanging out and it's, uh, it's good stuff. Like some yeah. people say every day, if every day was like Christmas, no, every day was like Gallifrey <laughs> or, or any Doctor Who con when you're just at the con and you've got that, that feeling like everybody's hanging out and they share the same kind of love of the, the same show that you do. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right. I'm getting all well, misty. Lubrication doesn't yeah. help either. <laughs> uh, I heard uh, Marcon in Ohio may announce a, a Doctor Who uh, guest. Uh, I think a writer, Doctor Who writer, but they haven't officially announced anything yet, but that was on their, one of their I think, message boards or something. So for Ohio fans, and, and, and as we get into feedback, there's actually some, some other groups that we're going to get around to mentioning, which is great. Speaking of, of feedback, before we officially go into feedback mode, the response from the last episode about the the call out for writers and um, iPhone app developers. Um, developers, the the response was incredible. At first, I thank everybody who who emailed and and wanted to participate. First, thank you very much. Second of all, slow it down. <laughs> my, my email has been blowing up. It's, it's actually been very exciting. And, and, and asking Doctor Who fans uh, for writing, people who write, is, it's like a natural. You know, writers, and we're all bookworms being Doctor Who fans and sci-fi fans. Um, so that was great. It was, I, I want to thank you, first off, for the response and for the enormous response. Two, I'm trying to either to sort through everybody's different things and stuff and and um if i don't get back to you i i I still appreciate the contribution um i'm going to go through and 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 pick the the people that i need for for the project that i'm working on so um but thanks it was awesome uh the response was great the the some people sending me resumes i mean the the amount of stuff has been staggering the amount of talented people in the audience and it blows me away, and that, and that's why earlier I said when I wanted to say thank you, I'm just always blown away by the 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 sheer talent of the people that are, that listen to Podshock. It's it, it's very humbling, not only from the the amount of people you get, but it's humbling because they're so damn smart. <laughs> anyway, that's I'm my... glad our listeners are. <laughs> no, kind of makes up for us. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Okay, so let's get to feedback. Feedback it is. A ton of people I think we put James to sleep. Hello? James? I'm still here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard a word from you in a while, so just checking. (laughs) No, I'm not died. I promise. That's a good thing. I'm just sitting until I was needed. (laughs) You're always needed. (laughs) All right. Well, we have some feedback, and of course, we always appreciate your feedback. You can send it to feedback at podshock.net. And we take all feedback, though, since it is an audio podcast, we prefer audio feedback if you can do it. If not, 
you know, send it to, um, we have email, we have our website, gallifrandembassy.com or uh, .org rather, either one will get you there, or podshock.net. But uh, we do have um, also the Doctor Who public call box, which is a, a phone number that you can call and we'll, it's uh, 206-600-6517. That's 206-600-6517 is the Doctor Doctor Who Pachak public call box, and you call that number. It's a U.S. number, so be aware of that, and it will um, that will get you out. That will automatically record. It's a voicemail number, so you kind of record your message there, and that will get us to get your feedback into the show. To that end, we've gotten a few calls from uh, D Scott Seven Fifty, and we're going to play those, and they're very short. So we just to um, facilitate it a little bit better, we're going to kind of play those. Uh, Back to back, and then we'll comment afterwards. This is D Scott seven fifty Scott from Tulsa. Just want to say I've just gotten back into listening to you guys after working and never seen you having any more time. But just want to say I love the show, and every now and then on my YouTube, on my YouTube blog, I'm going to be doing a Doctor Who cliffhanger. I'm sorry for the for the spam, but again, D. Scott 750 saying keep up with the great job. This is D. Scott 750 just commenting about your aftershock, pod shock about Matt Smith taking over. When I first heard Matt Smith uh, was going to take over, I was a bit reluctant, I'll admit, because he is 26. And I thought, hmm, that might work, may work back, back in the 80s. But now, after I saw his uh, confidential I he may actually do a good job. Of course, he'll he'll be, of course, quite young, younger than a lot of his companions. But with Moffat taking over and comments about it may take a lot darker tone, I also hope with this next season, Doctor Who gets away from the Earth adventures. Uh, Even the the Sol galaxy altogether. Well, once again, this is D. Scott 750 saying, keep up the great job, everyone, and I love being back. Ciao. This is D. Scott 750, Scott from Tulsa. I rewatched Journey's In again a while back, and I love, I love it. There are just two things I hope for uh, the new season. One, they get away from all the Earth-based adventures, because I fear that if they don't, that's going to kill the show. Secondly, I hope they don't start getting into the rut, which the old series did when it came to Dalek Adventures. We all know that. One advent- ten adventures after Genesis of the Daleks. Oh, cool. Davros. Fifty. Oh, boy. Davros. A thousand. Ten. Nine. Eight. Oh, crap. I'm five seconds off when Davros returns. But that's all I have to say. Keep up the great job, and I can't wait till 2010. Ciao for now from D. Scott, 750. Uh, thank you, Scott, once again. I know you're a regular caller of the Pachak Public Call Box, and appreciate your feedback, as always. Uh, as far as Matt Smith goes and his age, I don't think that's going to be a factor in the show. Personally, he's, uh, regardless of the actor's age, yes, he's 26. He's the youngest actor being cast in the role. 
uh, but he's not that much younger than uh, Peter Davison was when he was cast, a few years younger. But he's not playing a 26-year-old Time Lord. He's playing a 900-something-year-old um, Time Lord known as the Doctor. So that's what acting is all about, and I'm sure... Um, well, we'll see what happens, but I'm sure his acting skills will come into play, and we um, believe that he's just as Davison did. We'll believe that he's the the age that that the Doctor is, regardless of his outside appearance. Guys, any do you have any other comments? No, I think you've okay. covered it nicely. All right, <laughs> I agree. I just leave some space for you guys to jump in if you wanted to. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he, he made some interesting points there. I always love it when. Uh, when Scott calls in, because uh, he always has some insightful and interesting things to say. And, uh, well, he's been keeping the... We really don't get many calls to uh, the public call box, and it's nice that Scott keeps it ticking over. So I'm going to put a call out to to everyone and anyone who wants to send in some feedback. Just give us a call, particularly if you get minutes on your, your mobile phone. Uh, <laughs> Just call in and, uh, you know, if you need to use up the minutes for the, the end of the month, even if you don't really have something to say, even if it's random, because we enjoy listening to it. I know there's, there's I think we had a, a caller a few weeks ago uh, who just called in and he, he didn't he didn't particularly say anything. He just wanted to say hi, which was nice. So <laughs> why not? Yes. Why? It's funny, too, now that I, I've signed up on on Facebook, some people were saying, you know, when they would they would send me a friend request. They're like, I don't know if you take friend requests from people you don't know. I'm like, yeah, of course I do. You're a Podshock listener. You're all so, our friends. Even that's though right. We, we may have not have met in person yet, but that's um, there's always Gallifrey 21. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for heaven's sakes, we didn't uh, meet in person and up until fairly recently. So That's you know. true. Would you like me to read out an email, Lewis, or Please have you do. got a... Uh, if you, if you have one queued up, otherwise I'll I'll dig up one myself. Hey, I've I've always uh, see this I've is why we are on the show. We you never let us down. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, one of many that. reasons. You say that, but <laughs> anyway, we had a nice set of photos of some TARDIS sightings from a guy named Andy. Uh, he's mm. he's, uh, he's also known as Captain Rum, which is an awesome name, by the way, in uh, the live Podshock chat uh, whenever we, we record those uh, on TalkShoe. He says, hi, Podshockers. Check out the TARDIS and feel free to post the pictures on the website. I'll pop them in the media gallery. Uh, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, it's been landed at the National Tramway Museum in Critch, Derbyshire for quite some time now. And would you believe it, the chameleon circuit works so well that if you peer in through the windows, it even looks like a real police box. There's a quarry next to the museum too, so the good doctor's got to be around there somewhere. Cheers, Andy. So that's really cool, mate. Thanks for that. Uh, I'll pop them up in the media gallery. But if you're listening to the enhanced podcast, I'm sure that Lewis will uh, go ahead and put a few mm -hmm. of the images in the... Uh, in the little image window, if you're listening on your computer or have an iPod, you can uh, can pull them up there. And I have to say, this reminded me actually about a story that I was reading through Lewis's uh, Tumblr, Tumblr blog, mm -hmm. um, trappedonearthright.tumblr.com. Yes. And he, he mentioned, uh, he put up a news story about the fact that in Edinburgh, I think it was in Edinburgh. They're hoping mm -hmm. to bring back uh, real live police boxes. They're going to bring them back, um, which is which is awesome. I mean, they've still got like twenty odd that are still there, but are obviously not in use. And they're hoping to use uh, 
some government money to refurbish them and 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 have it there so that people the members of the public can see the live active uh, uh, police force and it's people the coppers can go in and have a cup of tea and tea all and the biscuits, rest of it. yeah yeah know, so essentials yeah exactly <laughs> everything that you need when you're out and about on the uh, on the on beat. beat yeah so should we have an audio one now or do you want me to read out another uh email i can we can do another audio and okay this one is um from fellow Pachak contributor and um, longtime friend of dr Pachak, none other than dave ac cooper commenting about our um, previous show you'll hear it yourself Hi, Lewis, Ken and James and all the Podshock listeners. Just listen to the middle part of Podshock uh, 142. You know, you guys, I mean, you've got John Levine there and you can hardly get a word out of him. I mean, come on, guys, make an effort. I mean, we want to hear a little bit about his background, his life, his his story. I mean, you know, you've got to make an effort, lads. Absolutely loved it. I could listen to that man talk for hours. Sometimes I get to a funeral... Before the person's died. I mean, he's a one-off, absolute one-off, a real gem, and it was a real coup to get him uh, in that impromptu uh, talk. So, absolutely well done, really brilliant to listen to, and I'm going to catch the rest of the pod shot now. Bye, guys. That's great. Dave doesn't even, you know, wait a moment before, you know, before even completing the episode before he gives his feedback. That's that's um, outstanding. Thank you, Dave. And um, and yes, you, if anyone that has um, spoken to John Levine, you know, he's never at loss for words. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's great. And um, and we were fortunate enough to have him back on the show again. We've done several other interviews with John in the past, and uh, it's always a pleasure to have John on the show. And, um, and if he wants to kind of take control and tell his stories or interview us, which he sometimes does, he can. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. Let's have another uh, written email. This is uh, from Stephanie, who says, Hey, guys, first of all, I want to thank you for doing such a great podcast. When my husband, who is more of a casual fan, asked me to describe your show, I told him it was like being at a convention. Listening to you is like waiting in line and sitting on the floor outside of some room which isn't due to open for an hour. So while you wait and debate an important topic like how the cyber leader could fire a gun in the TARDIS in Earthshock, I still can't think of a satisfactory answer to that one. My main point in, uh, for writing is to alert you to a Doctor Who reference in a comic strip called Brewster Rocket. The scientist invents a time machine which looks suspiciously like a box with a light on top of it. I believe the series started on uh, February 26, 2009. I don't know if your English counterpart, that would be me, James, will have access to this, but maybe you could pass it along. Keep it up. You are all fantastic. That's from Stephanie in Chicago, Illinois. Stephanie Wilson. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I haven't I haven't heard of uh, Brewster Rocket before. I don't know if you guys, because you you guys are kind of uh, comic fans as well as as me, and I'm a big big comic book fan, um, but I've I've never heard of it. I have to say. Yeah, but, I haven't uh, myself. I kind of um, you know I do appreciate comic art and the you know what what goes into it. I just I'm just not on top of it as um, as I should be these days. 
Mm. Well, I must admit that I used to have a local subscription with my, um, like a, a standing order, so to speak, with my local comic book shop. But I just it just got to the point where I just didn't have enough time to keep up with it, sadly, anymore. So well, Podshop but... has to take priority. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. But that's that's the other thing was that back in the day, you know, going back, you know, 20 years ago or so, uh, I could point to um, several different comic book or genre specialty stores in and around our neighborhood, you know, when I say neighborhood, I'm speaking of three or four towns surrounding me. And now they're all gone, unfortunately. So it's, um, you know, it's, mm. you have to really go out of your way or, or do it via the internet to find what you're looking for. And it's just, it was nice going to these shops and just kind of browsing and seeing what's new and what's there and, and, um, you know, finding stuff, you know, it was sort of like a treasure hunt. And, um, and, but those, you know, outside of conventions, those days are seem to be um, limited now. Lewis is saying, is any place he could ride his bike to? Yes. <laughs> Back in those days. Yes. <laughs> we were limited by where our feet could pedal us. Mm, good point. <clears throat> fantastic. Fantastic um, emails. I, I had a couple on Facebook, actually, and I'm, I'm sorry I'm, that I'm shuffling through it and and our uh, um, try, trying to find it here. So now I'm, I'm a complete train wreck, but what are we going to do? We have a bunch of people who wrote in, and I'm just trying to figure out which one was directly about it. Was it Tim or Keith or, or Glenn? Pardon me. All right. You know what? Let James keep rocking and rolling because he knows what he's doing. Okay. So I've got now one from David. He says, Dear Podshot Crew, I remember watching Doctor Who episodes with Tom Baker as a young child on PBS USA. All I vaguely remember was the Doctor's appearance, the TARDIS, and my favorite part, K9. Well, I recently started streaming videos from Netflix this winter, and I wanted to start from the very beginning of The Who Legacy. However, I actually started with season one of the 2005 series as opposed to the first Doctor. After watching the first episode with the ninth Doctor, I was hooked. I'm halfway through season three and still catching up. Last week, I stumbled across some podcasts, and I must say that Podshock is by far the best Doctor Who podcast that I have found. The content is intriguing and insightful, and the production quality is excellent. I am only on episode four for now, so I can only imagine the, what the current episodes are like. Wow. They're probably even better. I can't wait <laughs> to keep up the great work. Uh, from David in Minneapolis. It's going to be a while till he hears this then. Yeah, yes, he's up quite some time. <laughs> he's like, has you know, 140, 139 episodes to go. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, this, is, this ep email is kind of almost indicative of, of, of emails that we've, we've ha had because it seems a lot of people are going to Netflix uh, to catch up on, um, you know, classic Doctor Who, because there's a lot of classic Doctor Who on there. But what they're doing is is that people in the States who haven't seen the newer Doctor Whos, they're actually going there and they're saying, oh, hey, there's a new series on here as well. Let's watch some of that. So that's really awesome that, that David here is, uh, has done that, because I think we've had a few emails along those lines. Um, which is awesome, and I'm 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 really happy that uh, services like Netflix out there exist, and that are kind of uh, uh, are really um, innovating in this area. It's it's really important, I think, in 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 distributing this kind of media. Because if you if you, in the states, as I understand it, if you don't have cable, if you don't have the Sci-Fi Channel, 
or Siffy, as it's now being oh, called, come, comes along, I think. All <laughs> of the can of worms, which we won't even talk about because that's a whole oh, oh. podcast of hate right there. But um, <laughs> but it, it's really great that they're, that they're bringing this to people who don't have cable or, you know, haven't seen the new series. So that is really awesome. And thanks for the feedback, uh, David. Hmm. And hopefully Ken maybe has now found the email. Can we I, I have it. Uh, Tim Davis, he had sent something uh, to us um, through Facebook. Okay, then yes. you read that. Well, he, Tim Davis had wrote to us and said, Hey, Podchalk, I just wanted to drop a quick line saying I listened to the first two post-galley shows and thought they were terrific shows recapping the festivities. I think you guys really spoke for all of us as you summed up the event. There's a real sense of family and community and friendship. Personally speaking, I know that it's four days where, for just about every moment and every second, I'm completely happy. This may be my sixth galley, and I thought of not going is impossible. I really hope you guys feel the same, because the interviews you guys do, and the live show, the post-shows, and the pre-shows are now becoming as much as part of galley as the autograph line and sliders at Champs, which is uh, Champions, the bar there. I don't speak formally for the convention. I'd be shocked if Sean or Robbie or any of the other officers disagreed with that assessment. Also, don't worry about being too effusive about how amazing it is. It's very, very difficult to sum it up to people that haven't been. And if other cons are listening and getting jealous, well, I guess they better step it up. Thanks so much for the hard work you guys do. Hope this finds you safe and well in your respective corners of the globe. Continued success and all the best. Timmy Davis, also known as Handsome Timmy D. <laughs> okay. I have one, uh, I believe, from Matt. And um, this was from about a month ago. Hey, guys, just discovered your podcast and haven't been able to listen to anything else. Uh, I've been a fan of Doctor Who since the new series started. But since I'm a U.S. fan living in Roanoke, Virginia, it's hard to find other people to talk to about the show. I was wondering if you knew any fan groups in Roanoke. Um, also, any advice on starting a fan group? Keep up the great work. So that's a call out, as I do on a regular basis recently, to fan groups in different areas. If you are involved in a fan group in your area and you want us to talk about it and mention what's going on, you can always email us at feedback at podshock.net. So that's a call out to help Matt out. If you're in the Virginia area, particularly in Roanoke, and you're involved in a Doctor Who group, if I could clue him in as to where he can find fellow Doctor Who fans, that would be spectacular. Yeah, it's always good with, uh, with groups. And, um, you know, these guys here, my fellow compadres, know loads about it because, well, Lewis himself was the president of the Gallifreyan Embassy for a good long while. And I think and a it's, client. And, and indeed, yes. <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's really awesome that these things have expanded out onto the web because before, I guess, uh, with the Gallifreyan Embassy, it was just on Long Island. And now it's really gone all over the globe. And I, I think it, it, it's great that in modern times, um, uh, we can reach out and, and, and connect with so many more groups and see what's going on. And it's just in, enriched the whole Doctor Who community in a big way. Okay, final email from me then. Uh, this is from a chap named Lee. 
and he says, uh, it, the subject just says thank you in big capital letters for Podshock 139. It was great to hear you guys boosting the real science aspect at conventions, such as the one where Story Musgrave was a guest, with Ken's comment that science is our future, not our past. Even better, you recorded that on the same day that the new US president was promising we will restore science to its rightful place and wield technology's wonders to, he- to raise healthcare's quality and lower its cost. We will harness the sun and the winds and the soil to fuel our cars and run our factories. Here's to making that, that, uh, here's to making that promise come true. And in my experience, it's forward-looking people like Doctor Who fans who will make it happen. So that is really awesome. Thanks, Lee. Um, really, really cool and really, really uh, important. I saw that whole speech that uh, uh, President Obama gave. Really impressive. And I'm really glad that we actually have, uh, well, I say we, but I'm, I'm going to use it in this term, the royal we, that uh, there's a president now who appreciates science and who actually has some good scientific advisors and uh, doesn't shun it like it's some form of witchcraft that, or you know, <laughs> that something that that needs to be stopped and that goes against uh, uh, religious beliefs and all the rest of it. You know, this this is what uh, the not just what America needs, but this is what the world needs. I think. Absolutely. So, excellent point. I received an email. From and I'm gonna really butcher this because I'm, I'm I've been while James was reading that struggling to see how I was gonna pronounce this. So when I when I screw it up, you can feel free to email me and give me the exact pronunciation phonetically. But I believe the lady's name is I'll say it Freya, F R E I A, and she is from San Francisco. Freya. I'm yeah. saying I'm saying she because her middle name is Marie. So yeah, um, Freya's Freya's a female name. Yeah. Uh, responding to us being at at Gallifrey 20. She's from San Francisco. Had a great time at Gallifrey this past weekend. Of course, this this email is a little bit older. My first ever convention. Though it was awkward to go to a convention by myself because everyone seems to know each other and they have already got their own little groups, I still had a blast. It was great to see other Doctor Who fans from um, from where I'm from. Some people look at me weird when I mention that I'm a Doctor Who fan and sometimes... um, and some do not even know what I'm talking about, which is very true. If you're an American, you say you're a Doctor Who fan, they, some people look at you with this puzzled look. I would like to thank Podshock because I would not have known about the convention if it wasn't for you guys. I was present at your live show at Gallifrey, and it was nice to see the faces behind the voices of Podshock. I was going to say hi to you guys uh, after the show, but you seemed busy. Anyway, hope to see you again next year. Thanks for the great podcast and keep up the work. You should always come up and say hello that even if we do look busy which sometimes we are but you should always come up and say hello and thanks for coming and then we could have introduced you and you could say i went to gallifrey by myself but i left with more friends than i came there with so yeah we, we did a uh, informal meet and greet as well and we should publicize that more next time yes as a matter of fact with some 48 weeks till the next gallifrey perhaps we could actually get it in the schedule to do a real proper meet and greet where we'll be at a certain place at a certain time where everyone can say okay at such and such a time on such and such a day ken lewis and james will be in this room so that you can come up and say hello and and we can just spontaneously have discussions about let's say doctor who (laughs) yeah i think last time we did it in champions 
which um but which is also a great place to have an informal meet and greet <laughs> definitely definitely especially if you are over 21 and even if you're not you can help yourself to some burgers and fries and soda but we did mm-hmm. get to uh, we, we uh, one listener took advantage of that uh, Richard Cartwright came and uh, we became friends and um, so it's it's an open invite to all our listeners to come back you know come and and spend some time with us and us uh, with you uh, did we get Steve in Ohio in there? This was from back in January. Hey guys, love the podcast. Playing catch up. Downloaded the first date so far. Oh, he's got a while. He's got a while till he hears this one. Was that the one about Netflix? You, you, did James just do that one? No, that was David. But it was it, it was you know we get a lot of emails like that explaining that they've you know uh, what Netflix or just or... so I don't feel like I leave anybody out. I've done this once before. I'm gonna rattle off a bunch of names of people that that have sent in things this way. We. We know we're covering it. We got Andy and, and Mike and um, Dan and Anwar, which we just got in as we were recording. All hail Dr. Hubadjak. So hopefully we get in there. Um, uh, let's see. Damien. Now that was the Damien and Bob are the guys from this new Blake 7 thing that we mentioned on the other podcast. Uh, Victor. Um, Matt, we just got. Tara Wheeler also emailing the lady who built the. The, the pot, well, one of the builders of the TARDIS that we were in. We're going to have her on the show as well sometime in the future. Yeah. Kristen, Devin Johnson, did we get that? That was the, the Children of Earth thing. Kathleen, um, Lee, thanks for Podchalk 139. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. James. Angela oh, oh, Pete Gallo, that uh, was a technical thing. John as well. Uh, James, about the Lost in Time DVDs, uh, I'm, I'll give that a thumbs up. Um, and let's see, what's this, Ron? I'm just clicking on this stuff because we have, I mean, this really just well, amazing. We have some even older stuff that we need to kind of cover maybe. Yeah, hello from Southern Jersey, Ron Ron M. Uh, thanks for your ride in the virtual TARDIS uh, amongst the things you talked about. Um, thank you, Southern New Jersey, because that was the, the hub of Doctor Who along with Chicago uh, back in the day. Jersey was like, you know, New Jersey Network was everything to uh, to PBS and they were the at the forefront uh Stuart and the San, San Antonio group Don um let's see Dr. Phil the other Dr. Phil Claire Michael um wow it's just so many people Jill Annabelle anyway I'm 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 rambling but that's just cause I I'm I'm always amazed. I'm, I'm looking back on these things, and they're dated even just a couple months ago because it's been a while since we covered feedback. Yeah, that's what I'm and, saying. We have some stuff that goes back a few months that maybe in uh, in future episodes since we're, you know... Um, my little folder ma- ma- marked Podshock in my email account says, message, I'm looking at it right now, message 51 through 100 of 697. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sometimes we'll do a, a feedback-only show as well, just to kind of catch up. But we'll, we have more feedback, and um, and we'll, we'll get to them um, in our next show. So if we haven't, you haven't heard I'm a your down feedback. Up named Harry, and I love Doctor Who. Your new number one fan. Wow, that's awesome. So right, well, um, yeah, this is. I mean, even as we record, that's funny that that um, that we we're, we're recording and we're recording feedback, and an up pops up. Um, well, he goes under Professor One, but on the thing it says Anwar is the name on the email. So, uh, cheers. Yeah, good. Stuff. Cheers, everyone. So, what else? What else are we are we are well, we covering? I think we're gonna wrap things up for this show. 
No, yeah. you've gone on forever. I, I know. I have to stop you. <laughs> put, some leash, put a leash on you and yank it. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be a, a four-hour show. And it's funny because I'm, I'm also I'm logged into the Facebook account because I'm, I'm now all of a sudden a Facebook addict since signing up. <laughs> that can happen, I have to say. It does, it does absorb a lot of time. Absorb a lot. And a friend of mine it, it was filming a movie, a friend of mine who's a, an actor and a singer, he's a performer, who did actually the theme song for Jump the Pot, if you remember when we, we did that last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's acted in a movie called The Quiet Arrangement, which is coming out this summer. It's an independent film. And, and the, the director, just coincidentally, as we're talking, posted the movie poster on the Facebook page, and it's ridiculous. It looks so cool. Yeah, Sorry. I checked that out uh, the other day uh, as you posted it. Mm-hmm. It's, it did look uh, the production values look really great, and uh, I mean, really I spectacular. And 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 it's it's not a science fiction thing, but it's just it's just cool, you know. It's nice to see, you know, friends uh, being creative. I always enjoy yeah. that yeah. music or acting or writing and all those kind of things. And we we celebrate creativity. That's why we're Doctor Who fans. The three of us and you, the listeners. This is what we're all about. If we were into non-creative things, we'd be watching reality television. Oh, please. Oh, don't, don't say that. That's a dirty word. Really dirty. <laughs> dirty word. Yeah. Okay. Real so. nasty four-letter word. Well, I think that's going to round things out for this show. And um, thanks right. for listening, as always. We always appreciate you subscribing and listening to Doctor Who Podshock and uh, we uh, once again, I know we've said it many times, but we do appreciate it. And um, everyone that came to our live show last month, yeah, that was, that was uh, incredible. Yes, mm. it really, really, the three of us were like astounded. Mm. And so, thank you for for being there. Thank you for listening and subscribing and telling your friends. And and a, and a reminder again on what we just talked about: if you're in a local group, if you're in a fan group, it doesn't matter where in the world. If you're a Doctor Who fan group and you want us to get the word out about it and help uh, connect with some other people, feel free to email us feedback at podshock.net and put in the subject line, local Doctor Who fan group or wherever you're from in the world. Say this is for the fan group portion and I'll put that aside and make sure to, to send it some love. Okay, well, sounds good. Yep. So I guess that's going to wrap things up for today and come back next time for more Doctor Who Podshock. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. You've been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan-run GallifreyandEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Trapani. You can also follow James on Twitter at twitter.com slash James Norton. You follow Doctor Who Podshock also on Twitter at twitter.com slash Podshock. 
This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. Before I go, I just want to tell you, you were fantastic.